and welcome to our next episode on the female fist today i have a really unique guest with us she is the finalist in the great britain championships please welcome carly thumper skelly yeah that's it yeah that's it okay i did it i didn't butcher it perfect <laughs> well thank you for being with us and thank you for you know the time difference because right now it's like eight o'clock in the evening where you are right Yes, what time are you staying now? Right now, over here, it's 3 p.m. All right. Okay, so I guess that works out for us. So Carly, like I, you know, a lot of my audience right now is a lot of viewers from Canada, from Toronto, some from the States. So we don't have like a huge input into boxing that's going on in UK, except for people that are actively following boxing all the time. So can you tell us a little bit about like, when you started, what it was like going into the amateurs, you know, why did you start boxing particularly? Like why not jujitsu, let's say, or Muay Thai or what have you? Yeah, so basically um, I got into it a little bit older. I started when I was 29 Ooh. and it came about, I was doing like loads of running events and I ended up getting an injury up. So I was kind of like, what can I do? And I ended up doing a, um, a charity fight um, my partner Paul used to box years ago so loads of people have been doing charity fights and we were kind of talking about it so I went in and I done it and literally loved it it was like loved the training I actually loved fighting and I was like no this is what I want to do yeah so from there he basically took me to the gym where he used to train and that was it then it's like start of a journey that like I did not expect um I ended up boxing in some competitions in the amateurs and boxing for England and then obviously in the GB Championship. So I had like a really successful amateur career. I think it was in, in, in the amateurs for like three years. But like I say, being older, I didn't see myself like going any further with the amateurs and thought, let's turn over. Um, so I made the decision trying to think how many years ago now was it two years ago to turn over a professional um so I've been boxing as a professional now for um two years so it's it's kind of like a journey that I never expected starting so late 29 and you know here I am now that's where the greatest adventures are though right they just kind of hit you sideways and you're like whoa like look at this path yeah. discovered to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, like, amazing to hear, and that's actually like wow you know a lot of people think that you have to be like you have to start when you're like 13 years old or something just to get into yeah. these sports and have like some kind of status. And like, I understand with some sports for political reasons, but the one thing for boxing I find is that women, what I've noticed, they get to an athletic peak later yeah. in their years. Like I see a lot of Olympians that are well into their thirties and they're just, you know, on fire in there. And you can see like, you know, their bodies don't look like they're quitting anytime soon. I know a lot of boxers that are moms that still go to the Olympics. Yeah. And that I, I think that's just incredible. It's it's kind of a different dynamic than the men because you see the men going in super young, right? Yeah. It's very different. Yeah, I, say, I think men, a lot of men peak in the 20s. Yeah. And for me, going into it, because I started at 29, I used to do loads of running things um, before I got into the boxing. And for me, right now, being in like my 30s, I feel like the best I've ever felt. I'm in the best shape, I'm the fittest. So I do believe like women are in the prime and they're in the 30s. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's something that I've seen, like a lot of girls that I look up to, like you said, they're well into their thirties and they're at the prime of their life in their athletic career. So starting at 29, you obviously had a full life prior to going into boxing. What were you doing before you were boxing? So I'm a pediatric nurse as well. Um, so through, I, I had my kids, I've got two children. And then when I had the kids, I'd gone into my nursing. Um, and then I was doing loads of running events and stuff. It was actually when I had my second child, that's when I had like a little bit of time out and I ended up getting into the boxing. So yeah, I've done like a little bit of running. I've done half marathons, full marathons and, wow. and nursing. So it was literally just, yeah, doing a charity fight. And I think when you do something, do you know when you do it, you just think, I love it and I feel like this is me. I like, I feel like I found my purpose. That's how I felt doing my first one. And, and that was it. Then it just all went from there. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey. Um, oh, it's been a rollercoaster roller of a journey. Didn't expect it. And obviously having kids and work and stuff, it's, it's been, um, been a crazy few years. Yeah, but. absolutely. So like, how did you manage that? I mean, you have two kids, you work not just like, a retail job or something like you're a pediatric nurse that's a, a phenomenal career and very impressive like that's amazing how did you juggle it all and then do like an impressive amateur career and then now you're like a professional and from what we were talking about earlier you're you know going into the commonwealth right yeah so like how so did you do all that I think what starts off is I was on, when I had um, Thomas, he's my second child, I've got Aiden, he's 14. And when I had Thomas, while I was out with maternity leave with him, that's when I got into to the um, the sports. So I went with him and I was training. And then it then come to the point when I was back at work, but I'd fallen in love with boxing by that time. So I had like a lot going on. So it started off quite, quite okay, because there wasn't as much. And then literally as it all going on, Sorry. Um, yeah, it was just it was it's been crazy at times, but it's it's kind of like the way our lifestyle is anyway. It's quite hectic. The kids play football, we're always out and about and running around madness. So yeah, it just it just fits in with our normal chaos. <laughs> yeah, like I I couldn't even imagine. Like it's so funny sometimes I think about like look at all these female athletes at such this high level with kids, with jobs. And, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being biased, but I don't see like tons and tons and tons of men in those roles. You know what I mean? Like I see like a lot yeah. of them just like they kind of focus on their career and, you know, they probably are married or have a relationship, but if they have kids, then usually their, their girl or their wife is the one handling the kids while they're pursuing their dreams. And it's just yeah. not like that for women. We got to kind of like do it all at once. Yeah. Definitely, like you look at some of the men, and and obviously they've got a fight coming up. A lot of them go on like an eight week training camp, and, and then they fly off somewhere else. So they're literally just like stuck into the training. But being a mum, you can't you can't just like open pack your bags and say, "Kids, I'm going to see you in eight weeks." So <laughs> I'm literally on my fight day, still trying to organise the kids for that day, and then I'm like, "See you tonight at the boxing." Oh my god, so, yeah, it's mad. Oh it, the, the previous fight was actually really good because obviously with everything going on with like COVID and everything there's the bubble situation isn't there so for me last one I was in a bubble so I went I think on the Tuesday and I was fighting on a Saturday 
it's the first time I'd ever had like that many days away from the kids. So yeah. being away from the kids, but being able to focus on the fight, it was lovely. Like the peace and quiet that for the four days before, it was amazing. Of course, of course. You kind of need that break when you're going into something so intense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I totally understand. I realize how important that was because I've always been there with the kids and we're always together. Fight day. I didn't realize how much of a difference that made just being away. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I would totally understand that. Anything that's like, because to go into a fight itself, like to be in that kind of mindset where you're trying to knock this person out and you're very well aware that this person is going to try and knock you out. And when you have all these other things in the background, you know peaceful mind state you go into when you don't have to really think about it you just need to focus on that task and you perform so much better that way yeah yeah it was it, was, it did make a difference so um hopefully I'll, I'll get get to keep doing that then just taking that week away from the family right hopefully depending whatever is going on in the world with covid you know like that's to, to be determined i guess right i know i, I enjoyed the bubble <laughs> <laughs> as a pediatric nurse like when being in a, being in the career of a pediatric nurse and then going into the boxing, do you find that it would be a lot more challenging for you to, like, are you still practicing? You, you're still practicing, right? So yeah, basically I was working a lot last year and obviously with the outbreak of everything that's been going on, I was in work a lot, doing a lot of hours. Um, I didn't kind of know where my boxing was going to go with the pandemic. Right. Um, but I was really lucky enough to get the opportunity to, um, to box for the Commonwealth title in October. And during all that time, I got like a lot of sponsorship. So I was managed, um, I was able to like take a lot of time out of work. So I did have quite a few months off. Um, I've been back on the boards now, um, working again because I was meant to fight a couple of weeks ago and um, my opponent pulled out um, quite last minute with injury. So I've been back on the boards, back in the hospital. And I'm literally waiting for a new date. So with me, I'm agency, so I can pick and choose my hours around myself, which works really well. And having the sponsors on board, I'm really lucky, Sam. You know, it, it, it's still still difficult, um, but it, it works. You make it work. Okay, well, that's, that's amazing to hear that you make it work despite, because that's just... Yeah incredible like personally I don't know if I could do that me personally I I think that's amazing that you can do that it's a lot of like resilience and a lot of work and a lot of like mentally preparing yourself always having to make sure that everything is I'm assuming scheduled properly yeah well we were we were meant we were told um in February we were going to be fighting I can't even remember what date it was now um I got like five weeks notice we were fighting so you know and I was actually about to pick some shifts up because I was like, right, it's been a long time. I need to go back to work. And then I got the announcement. He's a fight. And um, it was meant to be on the Josh Kelly undercard. And then because I got the announcement of that, I thought, well, do you know what? I'll hold, hold off. I won't go back to work. And then it fell through 10 days before, which is really frustrating. Yeah, um, of course. So, yeah. So then I had to go back. So I've been working right through March and April. Um, and as soon as I get a new date, I'll probably take a little bit more time out again, focus on the fight and hope it goes ahead this time. Yeah, of course, because during that time, like those five weeks, I guess you didn't take any shifts. You were just focusing on training then, right? Yeah. Oh, and then obviously so expecting them for your fight and that payday. And then when you don't get it, and I'm like, so I'm trying to like get more shifts in now. So it is, it is frustrating and it's hard work, but it is boxing like. I think when you go into it you're very prepared that it's not an easy game that you're getting into 
Of course. And it seems to be a very like uh, difficult sacrifice to make. It seems more like, I mean, like I said, because you have kids, because you have this as a career and because you have to kind of juggle everything at once. And then when yeah. specifically women like us have to kind of juggle those things. And then if the fight falls through and we didn't have those shifts to make up, you know, for our finances, like, you know, we're kind That's of like, no man. just, yeah. Just there yeah, and, and, and wait for the next, the next phone call. You're always sitting there waiting. Right, right. But like fighting right now in professionals, well, you know, pre-pandemic, fighting in professionals and fighting the amateurs, like here in Canada are, um, like for myself, the pool for girls is very small. So, I mean, you could fight every weekend. They always had club shows, pre-COVID. Yeah. They always had club shows like every weekend. And I could fight the same girl every weekend or like the same couple girls every weekend. But, you know, because the lack of so many op opponents, I would fight maybe once a month, maybe once every few months. What was it like for you in the amateurs? Like, do you find it the same or? Um, yeah, so when I started, there probably weren't a lot of girls at my weight. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to struggle to get fights here. But luckily enough, um, between like my coaches Sid um, and then we had Paul and then my partner Paul he was a coach as well I was really lucky and he travelled a lot with me so I think because I've boxing for like two years and I think I had like 20 fights in like two or three years so that's actually quite good we did travel a lot we, um, we went into a few competitions and I, I ended up boxing for like England and the region so I travelled to Eindhoven and we had like international fights over in Scotland so I think that was quite good. We did have to travel for them, but I was lucky to get the fights. Yeah. So when I turned over professional, I, I had two my first year, two my second year. So going from like 10 a year to two a year, it's been, it's been a big difference. Um, for sure. Yeah. Find like the amateur side, because I know in Europe, like in general, Europe, United Kingdom, all that area, like you guys can travel a lot easier, I think, right? Like a via rail or something where it's not you don't have to necessarily take a plane everywhere, right? Like you can actually go to another country within like maybe like five, six hours. Like let's say like your neighboring yeah. country or- well, Yeah, so we've got like, in, in the UK, we've got like England, Scotland, Wales. So we've got like Britain. Um, to go to France is probably only like an hour, an hour away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's even like faster to get there than I thought. Yeah, um, to go to like Eindhoven, so that was Holland. I think that took us about two hours flight. Okay, so okay, okay. Now I'm understanding. Yeah, because I never knew like what that was like approximately. Like to, for, I guess it's so much easier for girls in Europe to kind of like, if you couldn't find them in your area, it wasn't that hard to, I guess, just shift over to the next country to find somebody, I'm assuming. No, because like there's a lot of like box cups and um, there's like some in Ireland, there's some in Sweden. They do like a, an all female one in Sweden. And flights wise, they are they're only two hours away, so you can travel. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's actually really awesome to hear because I know that like I went to Ireland for the Esker Cup, so I saw like hundreds of girls there from like all over the place, and I was just like, oh my god, like we don't have anything like that. The closest thing that we have is the Brampton Cup, which is like 
obviously here where I'm from, Toronto, Ontario, but it's um, it's not just an all-female tournament. So we have people that come in and like, it's become a really yeah. big tournament recently. Like we had Team Sweden come one year. We had Team Ireland come one year. So we've had like a lot of people like from international borders just come in for this one tournament that started just as a really small tournament years ago. And it's just expanded throughout. Wow, it's oh, it's amazing. But like, when I went to the Esker Cup, that was something I've never seen just as an all-female tournament and over like hundreds of female fighters. And they were so efficient, so fast, just getting one girl in, one girl in, one girl in right after the other. By the time the girl had her hand risen, the other girl was already in the corner waiting to go. So they wasted no time and it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I thought like, this is wonderful. But I figured like, that's, I guess, what it's like in Europe because everything is... I guess, easier accessible to go between the countries, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think there's a lot of places that put some really good tournaments on. Um, so obviously in England, it's like the Harringay Cup, which is in London, which goes yeah. every year. Um, there's one in Ireland every year, I think, is it the Monks, Monkstown like, Cup, I think. And then Eindhoven Cup, that's a yearly one in Holland. Sweden have the all-female one every year. So there's plenty of tournaments throughout Europe that um, clubs can travel to um, with the amateurs, which is really good. And again, the, the, the lot, a lot of them are mixed, but the odd um, female ones out there as well, Sam. Yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. I think like, there's so much going on like over in the UK and in Europe for women's boxing. I think that like over here in North America, they need to kind of like step up their game to match that because it, it's amazing. And from going to amateurs to professionals, what do you find the differences like between the amateurs and the professionals? Because I only know my reference here in Canada. So like, I'm really curious what it's like over there in the UK. At the minute, UK boxing for women is actually really, really going well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see like the last few, say the last year, a lot of the matrium cards have had a lot of um, female fights on, which has been really good. Um, and more and more people are turning over. Um, I think as well, what's going on with the amateurs, a lot of people are thinking, I think I'm just going to turn over. I think a lot of um, the, the girl, men and girls even, have been thinking Olympics then obviously they've not happened and it's not looking like they're going to be anytime soon. So there's even more turning over and there's a lot more coming through. So for females in particular, it's been really, really good year. Domestically, there's a lot of females or similar weights and stuff. So there's there's been a lot going and it's been really good for me because obviously when this pandemic started, I was thinking I've gone from like smaller shows um, and having to do all the ticket sales, which is really difficult. So when this everywhere was closed, I was like, what, what's this gonna what's this gonna leave for me? And luckily enough, I got the opportunity to fight with the Commonwealth title in October on a big matchroom show, which was amazing, which I should have won as well, and I didn't get the title I deserved. So that's okay, we can move it forward. Yeah. yeah, I'm still just waiting for that phone call to, to go and reclaim that. So I'm fingers sure crossed. you're gonna get it, and I'll be so excited to watch you. This is amazing. And I'm like, I'm you know. When it comes to the fact that this pandemic has put such a halt on everything, especially in the boxing world, like, like I said to you earlier, you know, here in Canada right now, they're doing like a province wide shutdown. And, you know, we don't really know if there's like rumors about a nationwide shutdown again, which I don't know, like, don't quote me on that. I don't really know, but you know, just with hearing that here and you're saying that things are looking well over there in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. At the minute, but, um, 
So the 12th of April, so Monday, like gyms, I think, are all opening again. So we've been in a national lockdown since January. Um, and the 12th of April was like the beginning of everything opening up. And then in May, I think more things open up. And apparently, I think it's like the end of June, we're, we're back to normal. But everything changed all the time. I don't even, I can't keep up with it. I, don't, I never know what, what's <laughs> happening. Absolute sadness. And everywhere in the world, different cities is just completely different rules. So it's it's madness. Absolutely. And like with so have but you've been working like I think I asked you this earlier, like you've been working though, right? Through the pandemic, like through this time you've been able to still work though, right? Because you're a you're a pediatric nurse. Yeah, so for me and my partner, it hasn't affected us because of our jobs. So we've both worked right through the pandemic. Um and obviously being a pediatric nurse, it's been so upsetting for me to see what I've noticed and you know whatever's going on with COVID and numbers and stuff, I, you know, I get that there's measures that have got to be out there, but the amount of mental health that I've seen rise is just so, like, heartbreaking. And especially being in paediatric, it's not something you'd expect to see. And I'm seeing children so young who are struggling. And obviously you've got, like, adults. Like, I've got a lot of friends that have, like, told me some really upsetting stories of, like, suicides like the domestic violence rates everything like that is on the the increase so it's like you've got to find a balance I get that there's like something going on right now in the world but for me the thing that concerns me and really upsets me is mental health domestic violence child abuse crime rates everything like that is just jumping through the roof absolutely and you know what I I totally agree with you you know I always kind of you know, I agree that yes, you know, this is, you know, a uncertain times and whatnot, but even I've seen it personally with like, just the, like you're saying, like the mental health is just depleting and so many youth, like this is the time that youth are like developing, learning, they're still not fully cognitively ready to start their lives. And you're putting them into this isolated situation where they can't meet new friends they can't do their extracurricular activities they can't discover more about their identity they're just locked in their house and you know they're not getting the fresh air that they need like who knows like if you know because when you start getting depressed like I'm sure you know you don't even eat as well which also affects your overall health and your mental health and it's just so sad to see our youth our next generation going like this very slowly and then even school like having everything online is like you know what if a student doesn't learn well in that kind of environment then what exactly it's like you've got to look at the bigger picture and like for me mental health is what the pandemic is 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 the major issue there's so many more numbers in mental health and it's right across the board, right across the world with children, adults, men, women. It's just, yeah, sad. It's really, really upsetting. Very sad. And like, you know, as like athlete to athlete, like I'm really sorry that we're all going through this because especially since we make our world so much about being out there, so much about being physically active, so much about getting ready to perform. Oh, did I lose you? There you are. <laughs> yeah, I might just have to run and get my charger. It's just gone um, onto a low battery. 
Oh, okay. okay. Yes. Like, like I said, so athlete to athlete, like, I'm really sorry that we're all kind of going through this and, you know, in your line of profession, I'm sure it's even more frustrating when you have a better understanding of like the bigger picture, just from like a medical health perspective too. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. I'm just going to run in and get a charger. I'm yeah, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I'm back. Huh? <laughs> I'm so always charged, but I've been at the football tonight with the kids. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Busy, busy mom, right? That's it. Literally, football, I think, three times this week, you know, now that everybody's starting to reopen again. Right. It's back to that. Actually, that's another thing, too. So, you know, um, since the fight fell through and you're just kind of waiting for the phone call and you're back on schedule with uh, your work. So are you still training, though? Like, do you still find time in like the week to go and train or how's that working for you? Yeah, so I've still been able to train. Um, obviously, you know, with professional athletes, the gyms have still been able to stay open. Mm -hmm. So I've been dead lucky and I'm dead grateful for that because not everybody's got that opportunity. Right. Um, with the lockdowns and stuff, the kids have been off school. So my eldest has been like really good. He's been able to mind his little brother while I go to the gym in the morning and stuff. So I've been I've been really lucky. It's not really affected me. So That's great. Yeah. Because I know it's something so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and so like let's just say hypothetically that tomorrow, like tomorrow everything opened up. Let's say COVID just dissipated. What would be like your goal for this year? Like, let's say you were able to get that fight for Commonwealth, the Commonwealth Games, you know, let's just say like all that went well. What is like your ultimate goal in professional boxing? For me, I want to win a world title. Um, yes. So I want to get this Commonwealth um, for my next fight going on from there. Like on Saturday, there's a fight, um, a matrium fight. Same weight as me, Bantam weight, Ebony Bridges and Shannon Courtney. Mm -hmm. So they're fighting for the world title. So once I've got my Commonwealth title, I want to be fighting these girls who have got these titles and be um, competing for that. So amazing. And like yeah. you're um when you fight these other girls, like since it's professional, have you gone to like North America or like have you had girls from North America come to you to fight? Like, how does that work? No, so the girls who are fighting on Saturday, one's UK, one's Australia, and I don't know how it's working right now, you know, with like traveling and stuff with all these restrictions in the world. Right. But for me, there's a lot of girls all over the world who, who, who hold titles. So domestically in the UK, there's a lot of girls that I could be fighting, but I want to be fighting girls from all over the, as well. Right. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to travel with it as well. So the favourite sure. I've done with the boxing is um, Eindhoven in the amateurs. So I, I would love to be going and travelling all over and getting some um, great title fights over. Obviously in America, it would be amazing to go there. Um, ideally, my me, me favourite place that I want to box is the FA Arena, Liverpool. Oh, oh yeah, Liverpool? That, that's my dream, yeah. So that's <laughs> where I want to. And then, yeah, definitely, definitely over in America. It would be nice as well. 
Absolutely. Oh my God. So, I mean, well, this, you know, that sounds very obtainable in your position. Like, I think that, you know, with the kind of hard work you have and the resilience you have and the way that you juggle all these really important things and you put them into like a harmonious schedule where you're making it work. Like you said, like the pandemic hasn't even really like affected you because of your line of profession. You have one kid that's a little bit older and, you know, helps you out too. And then you have your partner and then you have your training schedule that works out for you because you can go into the gym since you're a professional. Like this is all fantastic. And like, you know, so many women would look up to you because a lot of people have this stigma that when you're a mom, you know, that's it. You know, yeah. it's very recent that women in the Olympics are like, you know, women are coming back after having a baby and going into the Olympics, but you don't see that often in boxing. Like you don't see that often in combat sports where somebody has a baby and they come back because the kind of training it takes to be in a combat sport, it's very rigorous. It's very like, you really put your body through it and your mental, like you really have to get into this kind of state going into fights. So like a lot of women would be super like admirable of you. This is a really amazing thing that you do. Oh, thank you. And that's it. I always like want people to think like age or whether you've got kids or whether you've just got like a normal job, literally you can do anything. If you've got that mindset, go and do it. Go and make your dreams come true. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, and like possible. you're proof of it, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, I was just a 29-year-old mum of two who's on a charity fight. And then in October, I was fighting on a matchroom show for... The Commonwealth title like it weren't even in my dreams just to like be a boxer and it just the way the stories unfolded it's just worked out that way so if you if you dream big and you work hard anything is achievable absolutely and like I'm, I'm assuming that you have a lot of support in your family while you're doing this yeah definitely because obviously when I've started with me it's like it would help like getting the kids minds if I'm like traveling places and stuff so Luckily enough, I've got a good family system around me, um, really good friends. And, you know, being from Liverpool, the whole city, like whenever I've been trying to sell tickets and especially when I had my last fight, I had so much support. So, yeah, I'm so lucky. And then again, all my sponsors that I've got, like I've got so many sponsors that are always there. And yeah, I'm just, I just feel so grateful for everything and everything that everybody does for me. Absolutely. And it sounds like just an amazing adventure. And it sounds like, you know, you're kind of even just, you're just at the, you're just at the tip there. Like you're just climbing up that ladder and you're already like, you know, you're already right there. You're already right there. You're living like this amazing kind of like dream because it's not like you're young and then you're thinking like, oh, if it doesn't work out for me, like, what am I going to do with my life after? You have a career. You're a pediatric nurse. You have all I know of it for you. That's it. We've got we've got our family, we've got our house, we've got our careers. This has just been like an absolute bonus. It's been amazing. Well, that's just absolutely lovely to hear. What advice would you have for a young girl that thinks that she has to rush into a sport like this? Or maybe like a 26-year-old who might think, I think I'm too old to start now. What would you have advice for these two different girls? I would say to anybody, age is just a number. Don't ever be fixated on a number. If you feel good, then go for it. Because honestly, like 29, getting into a sport of boxing, boxing on like an amazing show, matrium show for a Commonwealth title within like five years. So I'm living proof that your dreams can come true. And anybody younger, don't care what anybody thinks and just go and do what you want to do. 
because so many people can just put people off and say, well, you know, what about this? What about that? And I think when I was younger, maybe I got put off things and stuff and I listened to what people said. So I never really wanted to, to do anything as such when I was younger because I listened to other people's opinions rather than my own. So if you follow your heart, follow your dreams, you can literally have like the most amazing life. Absolutely. Like, I, you know what? And I can't even lie. Like, there's so many times, like, I wanted to start competing so much younger than 17. Like, yeah. I wanted to compete so bad when I was like 14, 15 years old in boxing or something. And just because I didn't have well, this was about like 12 years ago and 12 years ago, you know, there was a stereotype back then that if you were a boxer, you had to look mean, you had to like match the guys, you had to be a certain kind of girl to want to do something like that. And I was always very petite, the very sweet girl in the gym, quiet, whatever. And everybody was always like, why do you want to go fight? Why do you want to break your pretty face? Like, why do you want to ruin this and that? It's like, but what if I'm good? Like, what if I really yeah. enjoy doing it? What if it makes me happy? But as a young girl, when you hear those things, it's kind of like, oh, well. Mm. You do, you do. You listen to so many people around you. And that's like, right, so important. You, you've got to do you. You can't live other people's lives and other people's opinions. Just swear you down a loop. That's not your destiny. What, like, not your purpose. So I just I hope, yeah, I hope people out there do follow their own dreams at the end of the day you live your life it's your story you write it nobody else but there's too many people getting involved trying to write your story and take it off course so like there's probably so many amazing boxers out there right now that have never boxed but they've been put off the sport if they just never got into it yeah absolutely just because they were discouraged yeah just because yeah but you know if you don't don't put a pair of gloves on because somebody said no we've we could have lost some amazing fighters just by people saying no I don't think that's right for you yeah exactly and I'm like a firm believer I say this very often in my podcast like once the gloves come on they never come off like boxing stays in people's hearts once they get that first little taste of it it's like there's nothing like it there's nothing like that feeling you said you're a marathon runner too right so I've done quite a few half marathons and I've done one full marathon Um, have you ever done any other sports no, it was always running. So in school, I was always like in the running team. So I'd always run for the school. Um, but then when I left school, I had AIDS. I'm quite young. I had AIDS when I was 19. So I didn't really carry on with sports. And then I started getting back into the running. So quite a few half marathons. And then I'd done the full marathon. But I picked an injury up after that. And yeah, one, one full marathon is enough. Right, right, right. Probably one of the worst things. I, I can't, like, honestly, when I see those marathon runners, I'm like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. I could like, not yeah. do that. No, I think it took me about four and a half hours because I was injured during my build up to it. I ended up with IBT syndrome. So I kind of like had to take my miles right down, but then get them right up again so quickly. And during it, my knee was so, so painful, but mm. I've got that mindset. I've trained for months. I'm not going to walk it. So I ran it and I had to slow my pace down. Did it in like four and a half hours. And I think when I got through the finish line, I nearly started crying. I was like, ow. Yeah. But you have that fighting mindset. You have the mentality like, no, just finish it. Like I started it and I got to finish it. 
Yeah, I literally got through it and I literally hobbled and I couldn't even walk for days. I was in so much pain. Oh, really? I had to go get physio for, for, for ages after it. And oh. I actually fought for like a little bit thinking, I might be do that because I'm not happy with my tan. And then I thought, no, never again. No, really. <laughs> I've, done it, I've done it once. And you know what? Those are the worst injuries like around the ankles or anything because you, you have to walk. You're always putting pressure on that specific area. Like it's hard to just let it heal. What are you going to do? Sit in the bed for a month and just like have it elevated? You can't. You got to move around. You got to do things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, the worst kinds of injuries to have. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, you know what, Carly? Like, I really enjoyed this time getting to know you. I really loved like all the the your career and just your experience in the sport and, and just learning so much about you. Like, I can't, you know, it's such a breath of fresh air to hear somebody that is in their later twenties that started and they're, you know, you're pursuing it and you have no doubts about yourself and you're doing so well in the sport. And you know, it's so encouraging for so many women in general out there that may think like. I'm too old for this. Or like, why would I start now? Like, this is so important for so many people to hear. And it's so encouraging. And also to the importance of, you know, what's going on right now with this pandemic, like from your professional, like medical standpoint of like, the mental health is a really like serious thing right now going on and everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Like it is, it's really hard. So if anybody is struggling out there right now, get into some sort of training, even if it's not boxing or you don't want to fight, but you do a little bit of boxing training. Training is a really, really good part to help with mental health. So, you know, definitely look into taking up on sport, regardless of what sport it is. And always reach out and speak to people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, thank you so much, Carly, for doing this. Like, I think this is like amazing. I don't want to take up any more time of your super busy schedule that is just again, you're like a superwoman. <laughs> Literally superwoman. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for sharing everything. Do you have anything else you'd like to tell everybody? Uh, no, just I, I, I apologize for my phone nearly dying and I have to run up and get my charger. Oh, it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I do I apologize for that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Technology. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can I get your hands up? Thank you so much. And everybody oh, join us next week. Oh, thank you. <laughs> everybody join us next week for our next episode on the female fist. Thank you so much again, Carly. Oh, thank you.